Chapter Ten of the Fairy of the Snows by Francis J. Finn, S.J. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, Introducing the Communion Class of Six Hundred, and Entertaining Angels Unawares. As regards the Morrow family, everything was as it should be for a period of over a year and a half. The children grew in loveliness and grace, health and youth returned apparently to Mrs. Morrow, and the father himself became the model head of a Catholic family. He was employed with the exception of an occasional week, and actually started a bank account. I remember the day when Alice, with shining eyes, told me how her father had put away his first dollar. I remember how she was able to tell me six months later that there were ninety-nine dollars to his account, how he was thinking of moving to some place where the surroundings would be healthier and better morally for his growing children. Alice set her heart on moving to Pioneer Street. It is so near the church, she said, and then I can go to communion, after I make it, as often as I wish. Many a visit of inspection did she make to that friendly little backwater of a street a backwater happily outside the seething stream of downtown city life. She came in one morning with dancing eyes. Oh, father, I found the very place I want. You know that little two-story house where the Murrays live? Very well, Alice. They're going to move out on the first of the month, and we can get it for seventeen dollars. Tomorrow I'm going to bring Papa up to see it, and I'm sure he'll take it. Then we'll be near you, and nearly all the girls that go with are on that street, or near it. There are no nicer girls anywhere. But the next day, which had been so full of promise, brought its heavy disappointment. Mrs. Morrow suddenly took very sick, and through the kindness of the unwearying Miss Margaret Dalton, was sent to the Good Samaritan Hospital. It was Elsie who brought me the news, and three days later Alice came with saddened face to tell me that her father had been discharged. The old story? Yes, said the child. He's broken his pledge again. But it's not so bad, Father. Mama is getting well. The sister at the hospital told me. And, Father, do you know what? What is it? Can't you guess? The ship's coming in? The ship? Hardly ever? Captain Romance? Alice laughed, for she was now sufficiently advanced to understand her father's allegory. I'm afraid that ship is headed for the breakers now. But it's almost as good as the ship coming in. Father... God has sent Mama a little baby boy. God bless mother and baby, I said. Amen, murmured Alice. And father, Mama wants to get out of the hospital. But why, Alice? The sisters of the Good Samaritan, as I happen to know, are kindness itself to her. She couldn't get better treatment anywhere. Yes, father, she says so herself. But you see, Papa needs her. She thinks if she's home, she can get him to stop drinking. He's not so very bad, you know but I guess he needs Mama more than us children. Ah, I didn't think of that. After consulting with the Daltons and assuring ourselves that Mrs. Morrow was out of danger, the good woman was three days later brought back to her neglected home. On her arrival, she found out from her gradually sobering husband that he had, while in his cups, gambled every cent of their savings account. There was no further talk of moving from squalor to a tidy little home on Pioneer Street. The good ship, hardly ever, Captain Romance, had sprung a very disastrous leak. It was then, by reason of this unlooked for impoverishment, that Miss Margaret again came to the rescue. There is in Cincinnati a Catholic organization of ladies called the Visitation and Aid Society, of which she was a member. She telephoned an account of the case to the president of that thriving body, Miss Keller, 
who at once took the matter up with an energy which advancing years had not diminished a trained nurse was sent to the home packages containing all the linens and medicines suited to the circumstances were brought in and miss keller herself a retired school-teacher who now gave all her time to charity came upon the scene and in language it was very much to the point told mr merle what she thought of him to such effect did she speak that the father was really frightened and remained a total abstainer for several months this year proved to be the most momentous in the history of st xavier's school it was the year made illustrious by pius x's regulations concerning the first holy communion of children all the little ones from seven years and upwards even the tiny toddlers of six whose mental development was above the average were to be suffered and no longer forbidden to come to him whose standard of sanctity is the little child previously to this year only those who were full thirteen were allowed to enter the communion class there were many of this age still held from communion and looking over the school records i found that there were to be six hundred children to be prepared fortunately there was a large hall on the fourth floor of the school and thither on a certain morning in january repaired this army of little children the sisters and brothers ushered them up and when i arrived on the scene i found myself facing an array of boys and girls varying in age from six to fourteen years after a prayer i motioned them and down on the floor clean and polished sat the six hundred it was a pretty sight all were intensely in earnest especially the little children of seven and eight i was to learn during this daily half-hour of instruction which went on for some five months that little children were quicker to take in supernatural truths than boys and girls of thirteen the white robe of baptism was less spotted the world the flesh and the devil had not as yet got their unhallowed hands upon their tender souls and in the consequence as i believe they took in the great truths of faith with an ease and simplicity not to be expected naturally from minds so immature during all these days the attention of the smaller children was perfect once in a while it was necessary for me to say a word of warning to an overgrown boy or silly self-conscious girl but the little ones were perfect the class of six hundred was so quiet that one outside the hall would find it difficult to imagine that it was filled the doing away with chairs proved of course to be a great help it was impossible for the fidgety boy or nervous girl to kick an irresponsible leg against the chair rungs it was an inspiring class all were in dead earnest save two or three sophisticated boys and as many no less sophisticated girls the former had run the street and contracted the taste or rather the want of it which comes of cheap vaudeville the latter had been led to conceive an exaggerated opinion of their charms and spent much of their time in wondering what the different fellows they met and fellows only do such girls ever meet thought of them the pitiful half-dozen should have been caught earlier they would have made better candidates for extreme unction than for confirmation thanks to pius x the children's pope the pope of the blessed sacrament their day is done of all the communicants however there was one who stood out prominently as leader and that one was alice morrow alice lost no word i uttered she seemed to get the idea at once any question proposed would find her when all else were puzzled ready to make answer there is no branch taught the children of our school which serves better while training the heart to develop the intellect than christian doctrine one may supposing it to be properly taught teach arithmetic and yet fail to discover the mental grasp of many a student the same may be said of the teaching of grammar 
the former branch does not appeal to a large percentage of otherwise bright students the latter owing to its dryness and formality may fail to engage the interests of many a boy and girl but christian doctrine properly taught while a thing of absorbing interest appeals both to reason and imagination logic poetry exactness come in for their share and any teacher who knows how to be interesting will discover very early in his vocation that he can best gauge the intellectual gifts of his pupils in hearing them ask and answer questions during the time devoted to the study of this most important branch other things being equal the child who studies christian doctrine is far better equipped for the business of life than the boy or girl who has been trained in the secular branches alone there is no rose without its thorns, however, and my rose had many. Every morning from nine to ten I was occupied in receiving visits from puzzled and more or less indignant parents. My little girl's too young, one would explain. She's only ten, and I made my communion when I was thirteen. Oh, have you been going to Mass every Sunday this year? Oh, yes. And is it possible that you haven't heard the pastor say anything about the new legislation, made by the Pope himself, as to the age of children going to communion? I, I don't think so. Then read this, please. And I would hand the inquirer the printed document on the subject. And when you read it carefully and understand what it is about, come back and we'll talk it over intelligently. Good morning. Be sure to come back. She didn't, and she stands for that class of Catholics who get their religious information from the daily paper, but there were some who had more serious difficulties, and among these were Mr. and Mrs. Morrow. The class had not gone quite three weeks when Alice Morrow called on me. She had grown into a tall, slim, graceful girl, and was within a few weeks of fourteen. Her oval face was a trifle thinner, but lighted with those contrasting beauties, innocence, and intelligence. Father, I'm really sorry to trouble you, but Mama and Papa have asked me so often to come to you about it that I really must about what alice about us children making our first communion you see there are four of us in the class myself elsie frank and margaret and she's only six that means one dollar for each of us to pay for our veils scapulars communion cards and frank's sash then there's to be the four of us dressed for the great day that means four pairs of shoes new clothes and communion prayer books and beads too my uncle is going to fit me out and Miss Margaret Dalton is going to take care of Elsie, but Papa and Margaret would like you to wait another year for Frank and Margaret. I'll take care of Frank, I said. At least, I added, I have a friend downtown who will be glad to do it. Thank you, Father. I'm so ashamed that we're not able to, to take care of ourselves. But since that little baby boy came, Papa's been out of work most of the time, and there's scarcely any work now. You know there's a panic, and my Papa says plastering's as dead as a doornail. He doesn't see much work coming until May at the earliest. How about little Margaret? She's only six. Well, we can let her wait for another year. Thank you, Father. My parents will be so glad. She paused a moment, then added. But Margaret won't. Indeed. Oh, Father, she's the most enthusiastic little girl you ever saw about First Communion. She's talking about it more than any of us. Every day she makes me go over what you say at our instructions, and she asks the wisest questions, and you ought to see her pray. She's got a little picture of the infant Jesus fixed in a sort of a little shrine, and she kneels before it every night with her hands clasped, and she stays on her knees till we bundle her into bed. Papa says she's a saint, 
I had noticed in communion class little Margaret, the tiniest, the most fragile child of the six hundred. Her earnest eyes followed my every motion, and her enthusiasm was striking. In answering the prayers, her lisping voice rang out clear, sweet, redolent, of such living faith as is found in saints and in little children. By all means, Alice, we must first see Margaret about this before taking any action. Alice left me, and presently returned with her youngest sister. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Father. I hear you are in the communion class. Yes, Father. How old are you? Fix. Fix? That's rather young. When were you fix? On the twenty-second of December. Margaret was standing before me, her shoulders squared, her head erect, and her eyes clasped behind her back. She bore a remarkable resemblance to the fairy of the snows, as I had first seen her. Only Margaret's oval face was paler, thinner, her body slighter, and her hair decidedly more golden. While you're only six a few months, child, you're too young to make your first communion. Margaret's face changed, the smile left it, and grave inquiry took its place. She looked at me for some moments. A quiver passed over her countenance, and then big, silent tears began coursing down her pale cheeks. "'Don't cry, sweetheart,' said Alice. But Margaret did cry, and as she burst into sobs, she caught my hand with both of hers, and held on as though she were drowning. As for myself, I felt like a pickpocket caught in the act. "'Say, Margaret,' I presently said, "'do you really want to make your first communion?' I do, I do, oh, yes, I do, ooh. Do you know your prayers? Margaret gulped once, gulped again, and then throwing back her shoulders, raising her head, dropping her grasp on me, and putting her hands behind her back, she said, I know the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Act of Faith, Hope, Love, and Contrition. She does, corroborated Alice. She knows them as well as I do, only there's a word here and there she can't pronounce. There was a knock at the door. Come in. Excuse me, father, said a young lady, pushing open the door. I'm Miss Quinlan of Walnut Hills. You don't know me. I have heard of you, Miss Quinlan, which was certainly true. Miss Quinlan bore the reputation, not altogether unmerited, of running with a set which, in the matter of morals and decency, just kept within the speed limit. In other words, she was a very worldly young woman. I understand, father, that you have a tremendous communion class this year, and that you have in the class a great number of very poor boys and girls. That is precisely the situation, Miss Quinlan. Well, I'm not much of a Catholic, father, not what I ought to be, but I just now happened to be passing the school, and it occurred to me that I might dress some little girl for Holy Communion. Was it your angel that whispered you the suggestion, or the angel of that little child there? and I pointed to Margaret, upon whose face still lingered two belated tears. It must have been her angel. I fear mine has long joined the band of heavenly Othellos, whose occupation is gone. But, father, you don't mean to say that that little bit of a thing, she looks like an angel herself, is going to make her first communion. The fact is, I answered, that I thought she wasn't a minute ago, but I'm beginning to think again. When I suggested that she wait another year, Margaret at once became a neob all tears. When you just now announced your willingness to dress one little girl, I thought that the angels, particularly Margaret's angel, were taking a hand in the affair. Miss Quinlan, you will be good enough to dress Margaret Morrow, aged six, for first communion, seeing also that she be provided with beads and prayer book. Gladly, father, 
who knows but she will turn out to be my little angel ah who knows there were i felt afterwards angels in that room angels who entertained by us unawares had not a little to do with the shaping of our words and of our actions nudged by the attentive alice who took in every word of the conversation margaret came over with extended hand to miss quinlan thank you myth miss quinlan took more than the extended hand she caught the child up in her arms and there before me innocence and worldliness embraced when Miss Quinlan, her face a little flushed and her eyes blinking, put the child down again, she turned to me and, in a tone which had lost all the conventional air of persiflage, said, Here, father, handing me an envelope, use it for charity, and I'm coming to see you again. Pray for me. So, Margaret, I said presently, you may make your first communion. It's been settled in a higher court than mine. Margaret looked like an angel a few minutes before. She danced out of the room now. Do angels dance? And the fairy of the snows was dancing with her. End of chapter 10 Recording by Maria Therese